You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to In the Open. Hi, everyone. America and I needed a break. So we're actually going to start a series on grief. From a mental health perspective, I do think that we're always grieving something, right? When it comes to mental health, because whether you're struggling with a mental illness and you have to grieve what it means to struggle with that and lose your idea of, of what you your thoughts were about the way that your life was going to be, or when you feel stuck or you actually lose something or someone, I think grief is really everywhere. I think so as well, but I don't think everybody sees it in in that same way. Like we're just going through the motions of all of these feelings. But when you actually take a step back, there is definitively a connection to the grief process. And I think that's what's really useful to help people understand everything you're feeling, it's totally normal and it will go through these different phases. And And I think part of that is also understanding that it's not always going to be one right after the other, you know. It's not linear as many people will want to say, oh, it is what it is. And also, grief as a overall kind of thought, I think most often is reserved for the loss of someone you care about. But grief is tied to every single aspect of who we are as beings from losing someone to changing your job, no longer being a friend with someone, all that. Dealing with the chaos of um, the world as it is, is grief. Yeah. I think most people don't see it that way because we've been trained to see our mental health challenges from like an illness perspective where I label what I have as depression And those frameworks don't always work for us when we're trying to process through why I feel sad, right? A lot of our system wants to end with, well, you feel sad, so you have depression. Here, do this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But but I think for many of us, when we're trying to think about recovering and processing through this, the why is what therapy has a power over. And so a good therapist asks you questions to help you dissect where your experiences come from, where your expectations come from, why you feel the way you do, and how to recover from that. And I think this is America and I need this to help us process through the change that we see in the world. And I do think that this series hopefully gives everybody skills or frameworks to think about how they can process through their own changes and thoughts and why you feel the way you do. So today's session is denial. And it's just never going to get better. And for me, I think this is a space where is especially hard where we feel like a lot of bad things happen to to you when you feel out of control and Mm. bad things keep happening to you. That's the frame in my mind, even though you may be you're still an active member in that experience, like the more bad things happen to you or around you, the less control you feel about what happened. And certainly if you lose someone suddenly, like we know with research on death, for example, like if you can anticipate that the death of somebody is going to happen, like with cancer versus an accident 
or heart attack or stroke, the death that was planned or had some timing for planning hits differently than a sudden death, right? And I think a big part of that is the amount of control that you had over your life and what's happening to you makes you struggle with denial more or less because you may or may not have had the time to process through like, is this really happening right now? Yeah. What what sticks out from what you're sharing is this idea of control. Because for me, control is is a big, big piece of the puzzle for how my brain works. And when I, if you're thinking about the loss, the loss of something, person or something, when there is some knowledge that it could happen, there is maybe a little bit of preparation that you do both emotionally and mentally like, okay, this is a possibility, right? And you don't always fully plan what your response may be, but you have an inkling of thought of, okay, this is actually a possibility that I may have to face. But I think the struggle exists for me in that once you get to this place that it happens, even if there has been a little bit of anticipation and preparation, it still will feel like I have no control and nothing I do will make it better. And I think that's an interesting frame on denial because I think in grief processing, we think of denial as being this didn't really happen. There's Mm -hmm. no way that happened. How could that have happened? But then in that space of denial, there's also a really healthy dose of avoidance because you don't want that reality (laughs) to have existed because you feel out of control. And so when you're grieving big change and things will never get better because so many (laughs) bad things keep happening, I think there's a part of you that wants to avoid where you have control. It's And this is wild because like, this is where I think denial from a grief standpoint was so undervalued of the stages of grief. Like so much writing on the internet just wants us to pretend like denial is pretending it's not there, but then they just end there. They don't talk about <laughs> avoidance. Yeah. <laughs> They don't talk about what, what does it mean to lose your parent or what does it mean to have your house blow up or for someone to abuse you and for you to lose your entire sense of safety. That first stage is everything because you've lost everything and it doesn't feel like you have any control over that event. And honestly, because the honest truth is you don't, you did not have control. Right. I find it interesting though that the spaces where you can have those very candid conversations are only the spaces where where others share similar experiences, where you can openly be like, did this happen? My brain cannot process it. And because in all the other spaces, people are trying to, um, they're trying to be nice and try to be supportive. Mm. So they don't, they don't always, they can't lean they into don't always the allow you to be, yeah. They can't, they don't allow you to be in pain. That's so interesting. And you're right. When you're dealing with something really horrible, the rest of the people want you to move on. They want you to feel better. And it makes it so much harder to navigate this first stage because you feel shame. Yeah, totally. Because if you voice, no, nothing's ever going to get better. People are like, no, just give it time. And it's like, I I just need to sit in this 
icky crap to be able to somewhat try to get to a place that I can maybe handle it. That's so interesting because I started to think about what happens in therapy and like what a therapist says and why do we pose this question to people? Like, how how do you help someone deal with impossible change? People are like, well, try and find where you do have control. (laughs) And I think that's so interesting because that answer in and of itself tells me that therapists want you to move to the next step before you're ready for the next step. Certainly my brain is thinking, yo, you're right. Thank you for helping to remind me that I do have control. And yes, there is something about getting you out of your stuck place is where I know I need to go. But I really appreciate that you're saying, allow yourself the time to be sad and find a bunch of people who also feel the same way you do. Yeah. Otherwise, you you sit in that in. I think in this headspace of shame, like I can never really tell people how exactly I feel because they're going to judge me. And that judgment turns back on on you. Yeah. I'm trying to think about some other situations where I have felt that it's not going to get better. And of course, eventually it did. But in that moment, it just feels like nothing will change. And part of that experience, I think, is because you have an inability to look beyond what's currently in your face. There's nothing that can help you, not in that moment. I know in the future it can, but in that moment, you're just seeing all the crap that has gone wrong and will continue to go wrong and nothing will ever change. And so that despair just adds to itself you know, fuels that fire. I'm still stuck on your, it's very true what you said, that we have to lean into that suffering. Like you can't move beyond denial until you've just sat Mm -hmm. in that sadness. But that sadness and that suffering is so hard. It's hard for you. It's hard for the people around you. Yeah. And it's scary because there's some part of the reality of the situation that it, it may never get better Mm -hmm. or that it won't change. There's no way to undo something that happened. Yeah. I think it's only through time and experience that you're able to really navigate away from the negativity. So let's talk about that time and experience (laughs) because everybody just like says, oh, it will take time. And that's true. That's not what you want to hear. I know. know. It's never what you want to hear, but I know that it's true. But I I do have to say, though, that time is a weird thing because when we For example, if you know that you're grieving a trauma that happens in your life that it slows down, I don't know, like, does time just help you get numb? I think to the pain. Yeah. Does time give you the time to process through what you experienced and move towards acceptance? Yes. Yeah. But it's also a cushion. Sometimes there is a moment or moments that. It just feels like everything is slower. I think partly because your brain is trying to protect you. And within that, you're kind of grasping for whatever tiny bit of normalcy that there may be. And that, that buffer that's created of this kind of pause, it can help us. But I think it also is if you sit in it for too long, then 
it's like the quicksand that you're you're just going to get further sunken in. Does that make sense what I just said? It does, but I kind of want to go back to what you said because while there is quicksand and it's going to sink you in, that's part of this stage, right? Yeah. And and I think at the crux of this stage, the question is, if I give in to the darkness so much, do I just die? Whereas the system and everybody else wants you to move on fast, mm-hmm. I think for us in this space, we're negotiating like we said, two things. I can avoid the question at all, which is, no, this never happened. And which is a skill. It's 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 a coping skill. <laughs> Denial is great. It, to tell yourself it didn't happen actually helps me go back to work, right? Mm-hmm. I, when I tell myself it didn't happen, just put it out of my mind, do what you need to do, go pay your bills, go to work. Saying that in your brain does help you to move through time. But to heal from what happened to you, I think your your point about sitting in the suffering and not trying to just move on mm. is what you have to do to truly heal yeah. from whatever happened. And it means it's weird because this is where grief, it's like in our brains, it feels counterproductive because what I think you and I are coming to realize is that in order to truly feel better, I have to cry and feel deeply and give myself the space to acknowledge that you're right. It may never get better or you're right. That person is gone or you're right. That horrible thing happened to you. Mm -hmm. So denial, the opposite of denial is leaning into the suffering. Mm -hmm. It's not time or control per se, before time and control, it's 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 not avoiding. It's to get yourself to bargaining and your depression and all the other stuff, you first have to say, I'm not, I'm not gonna choose to avoid this so that I can basically live. I'm gonna give myself the time to feel these feelings. I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense, but for someone that is for me, I'm gonna speak for me. For someone that doesn't really like to feel icky feelings, which are like happiness and pain, there is a strong desire to completely look in the other direction. And that that's the avoidance that you're talking about. Yeah. I think this is why this podcast is so painful for you and I to record, like why it feels so stilted is because you and I are both avoiders. Like our primary coping skill, you and I is freaking denial. (laughs) Like, I listen to people in my network who journal and I'm like, why would you ever do that? <laughs> but n- knowing that, knowing that I'm trying to put my brain into this process of understanding, okay, you know all this about yourself. How do you move past this? Because I know you've moved past this. And for me, I think the only way to do that, even though I hate it, is to really have a full on like nasty crying. It's like, oh, and then I'm like, all right, I got that out of my system. But you're going to need to do that like over and over and over sometimes. And it comes back and sometimes you get triggered and it comes again. And every time that happens, you're faced with the choice again. Like, and it's not an all or none, like grieving. No, it's not. I think it's important to tell people that like, when you've encountered a huge loss, you basically have multiple decisions all the time, whether or not to 
pretend like it didn't happen or to allow yourself to feel. And it's not like one way is better than the other. Yeah. The, the real answer around how to survive this space is to, to say to yourself, it's okay to avoid when do you need to avoid? Mm-hmm. Like you have to go to work. Like go ahead and tell yourself it never happened. Get up, go to work, pay your bills. But then if you never get to that point where you say to yourself, mostly it's at the nighttime or in the shower when you're by yourself or in the car <laughs> and you feel this rising feeling, if you never allow yourself to acknowledge the truth, can you ever actually recover from what happened to you? I don't think so. So how do you how do you step into feelings? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> okay, so like that's really funny because I think we should just acknowledge this as two grown ass adults. You could live your whole life in denial and be pretty successful. I I think unfortunately what has happened and what tends to happen with me, I'm trying to get better at it, is um it ha- it gets to this place where it's just too heavy and I have to let my feelings out. I can't keep shoving my feelings out and be like, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I'm going to get to work today. I look, I'm happy and smiling. And if that doesn't happen, it will inevitably spill out in another way where I'm just, I've lost control of me being able to just do my daily things. Yeah. Or it comes out like you said, you just st- shove it down. We're great shovers. Denial is basically the process of shoving and ignoring. But we've talked so much on our podcast about the way that when you do that, you're juggling a million things and eventually something is going to basically fall apart for you. Yeah. Or or you're shoving into a sack of flour, like you're just shoving your feelings down and then something happens and all of that pain that you've been shoving explodes and explodes on your relationships or explodes on your job or your life. And you can't, you can't really ultimately ignore it if you, especially with big things, right? Like at that point, life forces you to face issues and other people (laughs) are going to force you to say, dude, you got to deal with your stuff because I don't literally want to be in relationship with you. (laughs) I think one of two things happens inevitably in this process where you naturally come to this place of recognizing that your avoidance of the situation, your denial of the experience isn't serving you anymore. It's just keeping you back. And only then when you said, I I, I, I got to actually deal with this crap, are you then able to make a decision to do something with that feeling? I don't know. I'm still in denial in a lot of ways. Like this is probably why this is so hard for me because I don't want to move forward. You don't want to see it. Yeah. Yeah, Screw you. (laughs) Yep. Denials worked for me for a long freaking time. I really love it actually. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I love convincing myself that I'm totally perfectly fine because I keep saying this. I've been to therapy so many times and I still say this to my therapist every time. Like I'm just positive that if you start to unearth what I feel like I'm going to say to you that I will literally die. And I'm not convinced by the therapist that going down this pathway won't result in my actual death, emotional death or whatever, Mm. you know? And so the therapist has to convince me like it's worthwhile. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure of that. So you have to be, you, you basically have to be talked into 
engaging in a conversation to even get to a place of maybe considering that dealing with something could be positive for you. I mean, and mostly because you're like, well, has denial worked very well? Like it actually yeah. works very well to just be like, whatever, it's fine. Just move forward. And then that's what everybody tells you anyways. Everybody around you is always like, whatever, it'll be fine. Just get over it. Isn't that what denial is? Why does acknowledging my feelings, acknowledging what happened to me, why? how can you prove that that's actually what makes something better? When especially everything in the whole world is basically like, ah, just get over it. Like, no matter how bad something happened to you was, like, get over it. And then you see people online who who put online their posts and they're like, I'm getting over it. I am so good at getting over it. That's BS, man. You're like... Man, is that what life looks like if I could just get over it? And then you don't actually have to really get over it. You just have to keep telling yourself to get over it, even though you don't really know what getting over it really looks like. Because some part of you is like, well, getting over it does mean taking a step forward and not sitting in sadness. But the true reality is when you did that, when you step forward and you move forward in your body, it did not mean that you didn't take that broken heart with you or whatever, you know? You know what it makes me think of? Um, have you watched Stranger Things? Yeah. Okay. You know, the the big um, scary monster that lives in the underplace or whatever. The Vecna? Heck? That idea that not only in this show, but in other spaces, there's this idea that if you let negativity exist and it will just breed on itself, right? It's going to live off that. So in many ways, my inclination to avoid and deny is such a natural place for me to be in. But then there's this like sliver of my person that's like, no, fight against all this stuff. Don't let this overwhelm you. And I think that's the place where I have to hold on to like with my pinky finger, you know, to try to get past this feeling of nothing will ever get better yeah that's why i'm funny as hell because <laughs> <laughs> i'm not like a curmudgeon i could choose to be like a sad curmudgeon person which i am but i'm also hol- hilarious you are hilarious because the alternative is just to turn all the suffering into really dark humor yeah as a means to survive but both of those things are all avoidance because I don't want to be a curmudgeon and sad because I I don't know. On the humor side, I think there's a fear that if you just give into the darkness so much, you just turn into a depressed blob. Right. I'm I'm going to say this. I guess I'll just end with what really sucks is I know you're like, well, we need to find other people to grieve with. And it's true. But trying to cry in front of somebody else is even worse. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's like the worst thing I know. It is the worst thing. Yes. But let me tell you, if you can find somebody that you can truly cry with, it's the best feeling. It doesn't, it, for me, it does not feel good. I hate it. I hate it. But afterwards, I'm like, oh, that that's good. Yeah. It feels so much better. Yeah. I know. It's, it's okay. So you're right. Dealing with grief is just making all these small decisions in these small moments. Because yeah, I mean, in that moment when I can cry, I have the choice to stop myself or just say, hey, you know that this person is safe. Go ahead and let yourself do it. 
Yeah. See what happens. I think what, what is the most relevant thing for me is I know grief can appear to be very one-sided, but share the grief so that you can work together to really move past it. That's what I've taken away from our conversation. I'm just processing through everything that we've said. I am realizing that I'm going to be so angry this whole time that we're doing this whole series. (laughs) Hey, you know what? If you're feeling that way, it's normal. That's what I'll say. Good. All right. We're going to talk to you all next week. Thanks for For bargaining. Checking in with us. Yeah. Bargaining. Bye, everybody. Keep on fighting in the open. (laughs) 